Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Rick Blywise, and here is a bit about Rick. So Rick Blywise is from Ashland, Oregon, is an author, publishing executive, former music industry executive, and he's worked in BMG Music, Arista, Island Records, just to name a few, and Grammy-nominated record producer who recently released his first novel, Pignon Scorpion, and The Barbership barbershop detectives which came out earlier this year in february you it can be in hard copy ebook and audio book rick started his career in music as a rock performer producer of 50 plus records songwriter and record company senior executive in new york city rick worked with music industry legends including pink alicia keys clive davis melissa Etheridge, The Backstreet Boys, Kiss, U2, Whitney Houston, The Bee Gees, and many others. Rick also marketed the movie soundtrack for three Star Wars movies, Saturday Night Fever, This Is Spinal Tap, and more. Since 2006, as a publishing company executive, Rick has acquired works by best-selling and award-winning authors, including Rex P- Pickett, James Clavell, and PC Cast. Those are just a few. I told y'all he's a man on a mission and his new book and work has been featured in KFMB, CBS San Diego, KTVL, CBS Oregon, Kobe, NBC6, Oregon, and many others. So we've heard all the accolades, plus there's more to come. So let's bring on the man behind it all, Rick Blywise. Hi there. Thank you so much, Rick. And wow, what an incredible background. So today we're going to spend some time talking about your book, Pignon Scorpion. But before we do that, I definitely want to connect with you on a personal level so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. So there's two options. One, we could do a rapid fire 10 question game or break the ice up front. What are you in the mood for? Oh, I always like a good challenge. So let's do a rapid fire 10 question and see how many of them I can answer. <laughs> Okie dokie. It's rapid fire for a reason. So question number one, coffee or tea or neither? Oh, herbal tea. Number two, favorite color? Red. Number three, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person living or dead, who would it be? Albert Einstein. Four, you just want an all-expense-paid trip, and here's the kicker. They're no longer flying back to your home base for whatever reason. Where are you heading? So I have to stay there? Is that what you're saying? Right now, until they start traveling back to your home base. Oh, probably Paris. Five, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? 
wow, if I give myself that. Realistically, what I would say is when I was younger, I was pretty shy around women. So it's women or people too. Six. <laughs> Out of all the music legends and the incredible people that you've worked with, who was your favorite person to work with? Wow, uh, I, I would have to actually say two, if you forgive me for saying two, but one was Melissa Etheridge and the other was Gene Simmons of Kiss. Okay, seven, dream car. Dream car, wow. Um, probably a, uh, a state-of-the-art Tesla would probably be my dream car. Eight. Apple or Android? Oh, Apple. I'm an Apple. <laughs> Nine. I see you have some incredible records on the wall, some accomplishments. What is your most accomplished one on the wall behind you? Wow. Well, the, the one that uh, on the wall behind me that I probably had the most impact on um, was the Backstreet Boys, but probably the, the one that I just like, wow, in my mind was the Star Wars films. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and to have been able to be a part of that and done the marketing on the, on the soundtracks, that was just like a dream come true. Amazing. And 10, our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed for this question and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question. So here we go. Do you wanna pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. Who was your hardest celebrity working with? Hardest celebrity working with? Wow. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of interaction with her, but the interaction I did had, have was not easy, and that was Taylor Dane. Oh, okay. And is she, what, what genre is she in? Oh, and she was like a dance pop music. Okay. Back, you know, back in the 80s and, seven, and 90s. Awesome. And thank you for playing rapid fire with Genesis. Sure. <laughs> so Rick, let's segue into Pignon Scorpion, which is French. So walk us through the meaning behind the name of your new book and the inspiration behind it. Okay. Well, even though the name is French, uh, he's actually an Englishman. His father was Egyptian his mother was Haitian, and so his, uh, the Scorpion came from his father because Scorpion is an Arabic Egyptian name, and the Pignon is actually a region in Haiti where his mother was living, and uh, his mother and father named him ceremoniously after where they met, and so that's the inspiration behind his names, and I had to do a lot of research to get all this right, because it didn't just come to me. I mean, the story came to me, but I had to do a lot of research to make sure I made things feel like they're real. Wow, and thank you so much for sharing that. And research is key. 
So researching this, um, did it take you a lot of time to research the subject matter before you started penning the book? And what was that process like? Actually, it was just the opposite. Um, I, I'm a pantser in that I, um, I don't plot anything out in front. I don't bullet point anything. I don't outline. I'm, I fly by the seat of my pants. And, and, and so what I do is I sit down at a computer and I see a story playing out in my head like a movie. And my job is to sit at the computer and type it out so that a, an eventual reader can see in their mind what I'm seeing play out in my mind. Um, so the, the research that I do is after the fact. So I start by writing a story. And in fact, the Scorpion book, uh, I didn't even have a character name or anything. I just knew, I don't know why it was in my mind. I knew what his nationalities would be. I knew what the plot of the opening of the book would be. And then it just flowed and I wrote it. And then I had to go back and do all the research to make sure I got the names right, the events right, the language right, the customs of the era. I mean, it takes place in 1910 in England. And even though I've been to England a number of times, I wasn't alive then and I'm not an Englishman. So I had to do a lot of research. I did a lot of research on Haiti, on uh, Egypt, on there's a scene in the book that takes place in the American West in the 1850s. I had to research the uh, uh, Native Americans and the settlers of that era and what they were going through. I wanted it to be as real as I could possibly make it. And how long did it take you to write the entire book? It took me about five years of off and on writing. And um, that includes about a half a year's worth of research. Wow. And then um, once you finished writing and going back and doing the research, did you um, send the book off to a big publishing house or did you self-publish? No, I did not self-publish. Uh, and I have nothing against self-publishing, but I was not interested in self-publishing this book myself. Um, because I work for a publishing company, I deal with literary agents. So I had a bit of a leg up. Uh, I, before I wrote this book, I wrote two other books. One was a magical realism book and the other was science fiction. And I submitted those through normal channels, cold, to agents with query letters, and I got no traction on them. Yeah, you know, it happens. You take a shot and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. With the Scorpion book, because I knew a lot of agents, uh, I spoke to one or two agents about it and asked them if they'd be willing to read, and they did. And one of them came back to me and said, I love this book, I wanna represent the book. And so, she did, um, and she is my agent, and she brought it out to publishers, and we got multiple offers on it from multiple publishers, and I ended up going with Blackstone, which is the company that I work for, uh, because I really believe in them, and it's my home, if you will, and they were really excited about the book, so it's like a confluence of things came together, uh, but I certainly know the experience of being rejected, trust me. Yeah, and we're going to get into that um, in a few minutes, because you have another book, The Barbershop Detectives. Walk us through um, 
the inspiration behind the barbershop detectives and where where you see this book going okay well it's pinion scorpion and the barbershop detectives so that okay. that is the title of the book um oh okay i thought it was two separate books oh no 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 so thank you for the clarification. Okay, so then why the second part to the title, the barber and the barbershop detectives? Okay, it, it's basically because what, what played out in my mind, what I saw and what I wrote down was that Scorpion, who's the police inspector that came to this town of Haxford, which is a fictitious town in England that I created, he came and got hired to be their chief police chief inspector. And what I saw the story unfolding was that he was friends with the town barber, the man who owned the barber shop in town from the prior town that they both had been in. And so he was very comfortable around Calvin Brown, who, was, who is the barber. And so he, Scorpion, said to Calvin, I'm, I don't know many people here. I'm very comfortable with you. I'd like to have you and your barbers assist me in solving the cases and do it in the barbershop as like a makeshift courtroom or in, interrogation area. And that's how it played out. And so the barbers, the shoeshine man, a young reporter and a brilliant female bookshop owner who ultimately becomes his love interest, they, uh, they, they assist him. They're the amateur sleuths, the barbershop detectives that, that help him solve crimes. Super cool. So some some people may say maybe the modern day Sherlock Holmes. Well, you know, I have been my whole life a total mystery reader. And, and I've read every Sherlock Holmes, every Hercule Poirot. I started with the Hardy Boys. And I, I've read Chester Himes and Rest Stout and you name it. I love it. So when I went to saw this book playing out in my mind and went to write it, I I started seeing it and writing it in the style of Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot with the language of that 1910 era. So it's very much, if, if, there's, if, like a, if there's a three-legged stool and one leg is Poirot and one leg is Holmes, I would love to hope that someday Scorpion is the third leg of that stool. Super, super cool. And then do you foresee uh, yourself pitching to turn the book into a movie? Actually, it's already been optioned. Um, we, uh, a, a UK TV film production company called First Wind has uh, optioned it. They're currently out trying to make a deal for it. And I've got my fingers crossed that they're successful. Super cool and congratulations on it being option. And now um, let's talk about overcoming rejection because that is something that everyone can relate to and deal with no matter if it's personal rejection or professional rejection. So what are some of the ways that you have coped with rejection to really keep you in the right frame of mind and keep on going? Well, I have to say this. I have been a risk taker my entire life. I, I have chased the pot of gold at the end of rainbows my, my entire life. Um, you know, I've been corporate America, but I've also uh, owned a, excuse me? Oh no, I was just telling you to hold the mic up a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, is that better? Yeah. Okay, I've, um, I've 
owned uh, a video company. I've run video studios. I, I started a company that put people's names and lights on Broadway so you could wish somebody a happy birthday and it would be there on Broadway on the building where the apple drops on New Year's. Uh, it was abysmal failure, but you know what? It, you, you, take a, you take a shot. Um, I, you know, I produced records, like you said earlier, I produced over 50 records. Some of them were failures. Uh, I got a Grammy nomination. I had a record that popularized uh, whistles and discos back in the era and sold a half a million. So I've, I've experienced the highs and the lows. And the way I cope with it is, I just look at the chase as the most exciting part. The, the adventure of trying something new to me is more important than when I than whether I succeed or fail at it. I'd obviously rather succeed, but I love the chase. And so the way I deal with failure is just go next. There, there's going to be another idea I have and something else. And I just believe in myself. And, and that's what I try to tell people is you got to believe in yourself. And, you know, just don't, if you believe in yourself, what other people say isn't quite as important. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the fact that you um, mentioned the chase, because if you stay focused on where you're heading and not where you're, where you're coming from, then it's going to keep the momentum up. And then if you stop seeking validation from other people who were never really meant to, you know, appease you, then you'll really be ahead of the curve because then you're not necessarily putting your success in the hands of other people. You're taking reins and control yourself to keep on going. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, being a risk taker, because things aren't going to always go right. But then what you can do is learn from those failures and then build upon them. So you could have those successful moments and the big wins, as well as the small wins. So that's something to really be mindful of there. So I, I definitely commend you on just focusing on the chase, keep on going and definitely just pivoting because you pivoted from the um, record records producing and recording to now being an author. And then another wild card factor was you actually got Robert Downey Jr. to sign to your publishing company. So talk about that because I'm sure that's like amazing for you as well as him. Well, it, okay, there. Yeah, I actually, I've... Um in the last few years have been doing a lot of uh, work with as a member of Blackstone in uh, signing uh, celebrities to write books in, in addition to Robert and I'll talk about Robert in a minute I've signed Al Roker and his uh, Billy Blessing series um, and I, I did a, a, we're coming out with a, a fabulous memoir from Ramsey Lewis uh, who's a, both an activist, a civil rights activist, and a musician, and, and others that, that are going to be announced soon that haven't been announced yet that I can't talk about, but also like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and others. Um, with Robert, um, it, 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 was, it was a matter of I have become friends with his uh, literary agent, and when uh, he proposed doing this book, Cool Food, and it, it's how people can help um, minimize and erase the carbon footprint through the food that is grown and eaten. I think it's a very important subject. 
Um, so Robert and his co-writer uh, came to me through their literary agent and we met with them. Uh, I met with them and the CEO of a company met with them, uh, you know, virtually. And uh, we hit it off and I just totally believe in what they're doing. I mean, I believe in, in keeping the environment clean and safe. And I, I believe in, in things like that and healthy eating. And so it was very natural to me what he was talking about. And I'm really looking forward to this book coming out and working with him even more closely. That is super cool. And I'm glad that you are helping celebrities, you know, really get their voice out there in the literary realm, because so many times people just see them as one-sided when they're actually multifaceted and they have a lot more to offer. So kudos to you for doing that. And I love to hear about all the incredible collaborations because that's where synergies take place is like, taking one idea, meshing it with another one, and then producing gold. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, um, Rick, as we begin to wind down, are there any tips and tricks that you would love to share with the audience, whether they're thinking about pivoting careers or writing a book, or maybe they want to get into record producing and they're like, I just love it, but I didn't even think that it would be an option for me. Well, you know, I, I think the, the best advice I can give someone is that there was a great hockey player, uh, one of the greatest, Wayne Gretzky. I, I don't know if you're familiar with his name or not, but he was one of the greatest hockey players ever. And, and Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And, and I, I kind of like look at life that way. You know, that, that if you, if you want to do something and it's legal and it's not going to hurt you or someone else, try it. What have you got to lose? The worst that can happen is you fail. And, you know, and that's true at any age. I'm, I changed careers when I was 62. I have published my, you know, my first novel has been published when I was 76. Yeah, so I, I changed careers when I was 62. I had my first novel published when I was 77. I'm 77 now, I'll be 78 in two months. And um, my, my advice to people is you are never too young or too old to try something new. It's if it interests you and it's something you think you can do. Look, I could never be an airline pilot. I don't have the eyesight for that. So that would be unrealistic for me to try. But if you're, if you're within the realm of realism that something might be able to happen, go for it. What have you got to lose? Um, you know, Michael Jordan, who's you know one of the greatest basketball players ever, um, he, he said, he had a great quote. He said, I can accept failure. Everybody fails at something. What I can't accept is not trying. And, and I think that's great advice for anybody at any age. Absolutely. And thank you for giving that advice and those tips. And now we're going to jump into the call to action for this segment. So Rick, once the audience hears um, you talk about Pignon, Scorpion, and the barbershop detectives transitioning from um, record producing and all the other incredible things you've done in that realm to now authorship and then really working with celebrities 
as well as the other incredible things that we mentioned, what do you want them to gravitate to if they don't remember anything else? Well, I want them to gravitate to two things. I want them to gravitate to the concept that uh, you're, you're never too old or too young to, uh, to try something. Go for your dreams. And the other thing I want them to gravitate to is the book, because one of the things that people are saying about it who are reading it and loving it is that it's escapist. It, it's uh, entertainment. It's you know, we live in a world with a lot of stresses today uh, with everything that's going on with Ukraine and civil rights and political and everything going on in this country. And this book is a way to escape from your stresses for a while. I, I think people are finding it entertaining and I encourage people to lose stress occasionally. And I would hope that my book is a way to help them achieve that. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that, Rick. And how can the audience connect with you via your website? And where do you primarily hang out on social media? Okay, my website is my name, rickblyweiss.com. And that's R-I-C-K-B-L-E-I-W-E-I-S-S.com. And I even have an email address on the website. So people can email me and I'll answer them. And in terms of... Um, Social media, I'm on a lot of it. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, um, not so much on Pinterest, but some, and I also am on YouTube. Amazing. So I will definitely link your website, rickblywise.com, and it should have all the hyperlinks to your social media platforms, correct? Yes, sure. And yes, it does. And then for those of you interested in reaching out to Rick personally, um, his email is on his website. So definitely connect with him and send him any questions you may have or myself. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see all things video by heading on over to YouTube and typing in at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, I wanna thank each one of you for tuning in on a regular and consistent basis. Because of you, we are now ranked in the top two and a half percent globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com, which brings me to the need for sponsorships so we could continue to carry out the mission behind the podcast. So if you're interested, head on over to genesisamariskemp.net to find out more information and just kick, click on that podcast tab. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.